Kia ora, and welcome to a special edition of the New Zealand Property Market Podcast, temporarily rebranded as the New Zealand and Australia Property Market Podcast, brought to you by CoreLogic, produced by Agents TV. I'm New Zealand Head of Research, Nick Goodall, and today I'm joined, as usual, by our New Zealand Chief Economist, Calvin Davidson, but also a very special guest, Eliza Owen, CoreLogic Head of Research for Australia. Eliza, welcome back. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Now, always good to get you involved and have a chat with you about differences across the Tasman and, of course, a very special reason today. But firstly, Calvin, all well down in Christchurch, mate. We've already had our regular podcast uh, today, but how you doing? Yep, yep, going good. Yeah, not much has changed in the past couple of hours. So, uh, yeah, happy to be uh, talking about women and property. No, brilliant, mate. Well, thank you both for joining me today. Uh, as you just mentioned there, the reason for this special edition is to talk about the just-released third edition of the CoreLogic Women and Property Report, which details the state of home ownership for men and women across both Australia and New Zealand. So let's get right into it. And first, Eliza, as the author of the main report, can you maybe provide us a bit of some background to the report? You know, what is it? Why do we produce it? And maybe also a little bit of detail behind the methodology of how we produce and create the data behind it to provide us those insights that we then can talk about a bit further today. Absolutely. Thanks, Nick. Well, I think one of the main um, reasons that we started looking at understanding ownership of of, um, males and and females in our property market is because we know how important uh, owning property and home ownership in particular is to accumulating wealth, building um, stability in retirement, uh, enjoying your housing tenure more and having greater satisfaction with tenure. Um, But unfortunately, home ownership is not created equally. Uh, And that's not just among men and women, but that's many different intersections of society. So we know that in Australia, um, housing makes up about 57% of household wealth. Um, Stats NZ suggests that um, housing and and, um, residential real estate not owned through business represents about 43% of household wealth. It it probably could be more by now as well. Um, And a lot of growth in housing um, helps people to accumulate wealth because the rate of increases in housing values generally outstrips wages growth over time as well. Um, for men and women, we know that there are uh, inequalities such as the gender wage gap, which might also contribute to how successfully they can accumulate property. In Australia, for example, um, we estimate it would take about 8.3 years for um the average male based on full-time ordinary earnings to save up their 20% deposit uh, for a property um, compared to over nine years for for women. So in order to understand the state of discrepancy in homeownership that might exist, we basically do first name analysis um, where we take the information of property owners and first names where they're available Because we have so much of that information across Australia and New Zealand, um, what we don't have is the um, gender of those first names. So we then take that data set and essentially wash it across um, popular baby name lists. um, And for residual names that we can't infer a gender for, we use an API 
service which which does that matching as well so once we've taken the first names we've done the gender association we then take that back to our property data universe and infer a gender ownership structure for properties where we get that a property is owned either by um, a person with a male name a female name or maybe it's owned jointly by males and females or um, more than one female or more than one male. Uh, and, and that's basically how we're able to understand the state of ownership um, among those two genders. Yeah, that's great. Great background, I think. And as you say, one of the key points being as to why it's important and then bringing that data together to be able to produce some insight. So maybe we can get into some of the results then, I think, maybe from a high-level perspective. Maybe just take us through some of the high-level results from an Australian perspective, and then we can um, we can talk to Calvin about the New Zealand side of things. Yeah, so from the Australian perspective, we found that um, of the properties we analysed, about 27%, so 26.8% to be precise, was owned just by women. And this was lower than what we saw among men, 29.9%. Um, so women did have partial ownership at least of about 70% of properties when you take into account joint male-female ownership. But that discrepancy of 26.8 from 29.9 means that there's about 3.1% more of the stock analysed that is owned by men or the equivalent of about 143,000 properties. Um, noting that we're analysing uh, much less of the Australian housing stock than we get to in New Zealand because that first name information is so much more standardised in New Zealand. We're only really looking at about 50% of, of properties across Australia. But based on that, we do find that men own more property. Um, and I guess at a high level, the discrepancy between um, between male and female ownership was uh, largely explained by ownership of investment property, where of the investment properties that we analysed, men owned um, about uh, over 36% of properties, and that was actually higher than the portion of properties in the investment space owned jointly by men and women um, and owned by women as well. Yeah, cool. Yeah, some great, great insight there. Um, Calvin, you provided a lot of the New Zealand context and commentary and sort of New Zealandized um, some of the data for us. What did you make of the results for New Zealand? Yeah, so I mean, uh, I just provided that New Zealand context. Eliza did the the grunt work on um, digging out the figures and charting and the actual writing and all that sort of thing. But so I won't take credit for that. But yeah, it, um, I suppose in big picture terms, there's the New Zealand sort of gender balance is a bit closer actually. So about twenty two and a half percent of uh, properties in New Zealand are owned or of those single sex or same sex ownership is twenty two and a half percent as male and 22% female. So that gap is, is actually kind of small, you know, half a percent. I think it translates to sort of eight or 9,000 properties. So, you know, it's it's a bit smaller than it is in Australia, that sort of gender gap. Uh, and, and the flip side is that we have a much higher ownership proportion that you can credit to um, to mixed gender, I guess. So, yeah, there's, there's similarities and, and differences. Uh, again, uh, the, the gap between female and male ownership is... is you know, there could be any number of explanations, I guess, but you know that investment property side of it is is a is a big factor too. So we have about twenty six percent of investment properties 
they have male ownership, the male-only ownership, versus 21% for females. So when you sort of correlate those two things, it does look like investment property is, is a key driver, really, of, of the gender gap. Uh, and part of that's reflecting, like Eliza talked about, the income gap, the, the gender wage gap means that if you earn less, I guess it, you're going to find it harder to to access investment property and that flows through to the overall sort of ownership stats. So yeah, um, you know, the, the trends are pretty similar, but you know, maybe the, the gap in New Zealand's a bit smaller between the, the genders. So um yeah, interesting stuff. Yeah, yeah, it is. And um you sort of mentioned both of you have mentioned that difference from the investment perspective. Eliza, is there anything else at a high level, maybe the price points that you see some differences across the different genders that uh that came out from the report as well? Yeah, so interestingly, um, each year we've done this report, we've seen an almost um, opposite trend across Australia and New Zealand, where in Australia, um, areas where rates of ownership are relatively high are actually quite high-end markets. Um, So, for example, the highest um, rate of property owned by females in Australia is in the eastern suburbs of Sydney. Over 37% of properties analysed were associated with these female names. Um, That was actually higher than what we saw in in the portion of properties in that region owned by men. Um, A lot of it might have to do with the composition of stock as well. We see that men tend to own more um, detached houses in Australia um, than than women. Um, and I guess more broadly, the regions in Australia where male ownership is more prevalent come back to the nature of, of the regions and, and the industries. Um, so mining and, and construction, for example, in Western Australia and the Northern Territory, where rates of male home ownership tend to be uh, relatively high. Um, in New Zealand, it's it's almost the opposite in terms of price point, where higher levels of ownership are associated with um, generally more affordable areas. And for New Zealand, the, the top rates of home ownership were concentrated in, in areas where, um, apart from Auckland City, which had a relatively high rate of, of properties owned by women, about 25%. Um, the other top regions were these affordable areas where the average median valuation was sitting at around 460000 So, I yeah, it, it's interesting because you could argue one way for Australia that women who are maybe on higher incomes are more empowered to purchase property in these high-end areas. They do drift towards units as well and, and smaller dwellings, which might not be associated with a kind of larger family structure. But in New Zealand, it's kind of the opposite, where maybe um, more affordable areas are, are the the empowering factor for women and, and the fact that there is more affordability. Yeah, yeah, interesting. So, Calvin, I mean, Eliza's touched on a few of the regional differences and the price points. When you looked into that detail, is there anything else that you know, jumped out for you as to the reasoning of some of those things? Or did you have any of that detail around some of those regions specifically for New Zealanders for the differences we saw? 
Yeah, so I mean, I guess similar to some of those higher-end markets around Australia, for example, in, in New Zealand, the Auckland City market, that, that old Auckland City TA area, the central city, she had a reasonable proportion of female ownership. And that, again, relates to, I think, the, the composition of the stock, probably, you know, that concentration of apartments. Okay, generally, it's an expensive area. You've got some pretty posh suburbs, but also in those areas where suburbs and or units and this I mean uh, apartments or units in the um, Australian phrasing where they're common that, that's where you know those price points for those properties I guess are a bit lower and a bit more affordable so income you know you can be on a lower income and, and still afford one so I mean Auckland City is a little bit of a, a pocket of, of of sort of female strength I suppose in relative terms but um yeah out in the out in the provincial markets like Eliza said you know the the affordability is a bit better and and female ownership's a bit higher I suppose there's a few exceptions to that but some of the sort of west coast markets Buller that type of area I guess we're and it's hard to be sure about any of this I suppose but you know more traditional male industries you you know you're mining and, and you're farming and this type of stuff so it could be that actually in those in those areas where a certain type of employment that tends to be more male oriented although that's changing but it, you know if it's still slightly male oriented then you know going to be harder to get income for a female there and, and harder to to buy property so there is a few exceptions to that I guess and then yeah the picking up on the uh, sort of investment angle that we had that that in areas where or, or the investment property can account for I guess a fair chunk of that gap between female and, and male ownership areas like Mackenzie for example where you know sort of a, a holiday hotspot you think there's there's solid sort of holiday homes it's a more investment type market the the female ownership rate there was a bit lower so yeah all it all sort of seemed, there's always going to be exceptions to the rule I guess but yeah the the same sort of trends you can see. Uh, down at the regional level as you see it at the national level so um yeah interesting stuff yeah that no, makes sense um eliza was there anything else from a regional perspective on australia you wanted to get into some of those differences whether it was industry based outside of maybe the price points and uh maybe touch on those and, and otherwise i don't think you can maybe move through to any other comparisons that jumped out at you from pe previous reports as i mentioned earlier this is the third edition of this report any big swings or changes or or things of note that you certainly saw jump out at you um, when you look back to previously producing these reports yeah, so I guess looking at the the regions, it, it was generally the more high-end areas of Australia where we tended to see relatively high rates of female home ownership, so led by the eastern suburbs at 37%, um, followed by um, just under 37% across the North Sydney and Hornsby region. And again, that was another area that rates of properties owned by females was was higher than what was owned by males. And then at the other end of the spectrum, similar to what Kelvin was saying, areas where you have um, male-dominated industries uh, like mining and construction, particularly those industries where males tend to be um, better compensated as well, um, that was where we saw a relatively low rate of female home ownership, lowest among the Western Australia outback housing stock that was analysed with just 21% of properties owned by females. The other thing that I thought was quite interesting is if we look at um, the Wanganui 
district, and I hope I'm doing the pronunciation justice there. Um, so that was the highest concentration of female ownership for New Zealand. So of the properties analysed, 26.5%, higher than what we saw in the male um, ownership at 23% at of stock analysed. Um, and, and it also kind of strikes me that not only are these areas uh, more affordable, but that has implications for the gains over time as well. Here in Australia, for example, we know that the high end of the market tends to have higher gains over time. So maybe women are missing out if they're only getting in where some of these markets are more affordable. And also if they're taking on greater risk where there's an association with flooding um, or even, you know, the recent cyclone Debbie, where um, it's it's a lot of that um, risk being taken on from um, the prospect of greater insurance premiums and, and having to rebuild as well. So I think there's some important implications there. In terms of how the report compares, um, to be honest, in Australia, things are looking pretty steady. Um, it is hard to do a direct year-on-year -year comparison because as we get more observations, as we get more first-name data, we can have a bit of inherent di difference in the sampling year-on-year -year as well. Um, but I guess even though that data is never going to be perfect year on year, the trend is pretty clear that women continue to trail behind. Um, there's been a little bit of a shift of a decline in joint ownership across Australia between men and women, which led to a slight uptick in the rate of female ownership. In New Zealand, again, it was kind of the opposite. We actually saw a bit of an uptick in the portion of properties held jointly by men and women and a reduction in both properties owned exclusively by men and exclusively by women. And I mean, there's probably implications in that as well, right? Um, I don't know if if it's inherently good or bad to, to see women owning property independently of men. But we do know, for example, that in instances of separation and end of marriage, women are less likely than men to get back into home ownership. Um, so while I can imagine the unaffordable nature of properties in New Zealand is, is something that's potentially driving that, that joint ownership, um, it's important to think about the implications for how we support retirees who fall out of home, home ownership over time as well. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I think, you know, it is really, and I suppose that's one of the main reasons we want to bring this stuff to light, right, is those potential implications of how much that can affect people down the road, you know, not just about what's happening now, but, you know, how much that you know doesn't set women up as nicely as it does for their male counterparts. So obviously one of the reasons to have this out and have this out now and, and bring forward that conversation. So it's great that we can lead that conversation with some real data as well um, to, be able to, to be able to bring it to the forefront. So um, just once again, thanks very much for all your work in doing that. And, and Calvin, um, I'm wondering if you've got any final thoughts, anything on that Wanganui stat, anything else from the report or the work that you've done recently that you wanted to um, to close us out with? We've kept today's podcast relatively short, talk about the results, and um, and I'll certainly be sure to link a, uh, to put the full link to the report as well for anyone that really wants to get into the detail, and I'm sure there'll be plenty of media coverage of this one. But uh, before I do com complete us out, Calvin, any other thoughts on the report, Wanganui, or anything else on your mind? No, I guess just at that headline level around, I guess, the, the shift we saw a little bit towards uh, sort of mixed gender ownership, you know, and that could hint at 
an affordability issue potentially. I know we've we've sort of seen the start of a slight improvement in housing affordability, but it's it's still pretty stretched and and mortgage rates have gone up in the past year, which is which is definitely going to be putting a strain on things, even if the house price to income ratio has definitely come down, that rise in mortgage rates will, will still be straining things when it actually comes to paying you know, hard cash for properties. So it could be that there's some kind of shift towards um, you know, the mixed gender ownership that we've seen over the past year in between these two reports has something to do with that. But I, I guess you know, we are, I suppose Eliza and I have been sort of in our backwards and forwards emails sort of careful to to not overplay anything here. You know, there could be any number of reasons, but that is one possible suggestion around around that shift. And, and of course, keeping in mind the issue of sampling sizes and, and, and methodology changes, which could also be playing a role as well. You know, it, it strikes me that there could also just be things on a whim here. It's like, oh, we'll put the title in my name rather than yours or, or whatever, you know, so that there could be those sort of things sort of nibbling around the edges as well. But, yep, uh, I mean, it's it's definitely a, a great issue to be looking at. And, and in the end, as we've talked about, whether it's investment property or owner-occupied or whatever, the thing in the end is there's this heart of the issue is the, the gender wage gap and then that gender income gap, which is naturally going to be keeping a, a gap there. And, and until, I suppose, we, we close that, that wage gap, there's always going to be, um, you know, an ownership gap as well. So, and that's has got all those implications for future wealth and retirement wealth and all that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, definitely an issue to, to keep trying to improve on and, you know, keeping an eye on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think you can't get away from that income gap. Um, there has been, you know, some progress made on that in the last few years, but that has to be where the focus continues to be for all, all organisations to, to bring that gap much closer or hopefully non-existent at some stage in the future. But I will, like you say, cons- consistently reflect um, the, where home ownership sits as well. But, um, well, then back to you then, Eliza. And um, how about you for any closing thoughts, maybe wrap us up with any insights and maybe expectations for the future too. Do we do we see some promise of these things that might start to eventuate and get better faster, you know, not just improve over a long period of time, but maybe speed up a little bit too from um, some of the conversations and, and things that you're part of uh, across the board within that housing market too. So yeah, I'll leave for you to round us out before I um, close out today. Thanks, Nick. And definitely a massive thank you to Kelvin as well for, for your support on the report and um, helping out with that New Zealand context. Uh, and and I tend to agree. I think, you know, the data um, is, is not perfect. There's always going to be some uh, limitations to the kind of methodology we're using. But I guess one thing that stands out for me that that is pretty clear in the data is the gap caused by property as an investment and the policy implications for that. I think in New Zealand especially, we've seen a shift away from incentive around investment property altogether and placing the emphasis back on home ownership. We're also starting to see that implemented in Australia a little more now with home equity schemes that would um, disproportionately benefit women who are on lower incomes, um, head a lot of single family households. um, And a lot of these schemes are specifically targeted for industries um, where women are more represented as well. So I think there's some positive things happening in in directing home ownership in particular towards women. But I think more broadly, as the deposit hurdle and more recently the interest costs around home ownership continue to increase, 
we have to acknowledge that not everyone will get onto the property market. I think that's something that just really needs to be more normalised in conversations around housing um, in Australia and New Zealand, potentially where um, in many parts of the world we're facing a, a real renting crisis as well. So if you have a shortfall in home ownership, the policy response probably needs to be more housing subsidies or payments. Um, in Australia, that would be Commonwealth rental assistance and targeting that a bit better and increasing that for older Australians as well. Um, just to make sure that even if you don't get to that level of home ownership, you at least have a means to secure housing later in life. Yeah, no, look, I think that, that summarises things nicely. It is going to be of real interest to governments. Um, you know, we've got an election this year, so always interesting to see what the, the parties all campaign on and what is important for, for Kiwis at the time. And I'm sure it'll be similar to Australia once you get round to your uh, next federal election as well. So, look, there's so much in there, um, so much to consider, so much of interest. Um, so I just want to say thank you both very much for taking the time to uh, to spend a little bit with us today, get into some of that detail on the report too, and I'm sure you'll have uh, plenty more opportunities to talk to people in the next couple of days as well. So good luck with all your other engagements. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, thanks very much for listening, and uh, please do feel free to get in touch as well. If you've got any thoughts or any questions that you'd like us to follow up on, then please do get in touch. And please do make sure you subscribe to get all our regular podcasts straight to your podcast player as well and hit that auto download button. Um, we're available on Twitter, LinkedIn, and our email addresses within the podcast notes. I'll also chuck Eliza's uh, information in there as well um, so you can harass her at your uh, behest. <laughs> uh, but thanks very much again. My, leads me to say thanks again. My name is Nick. You've also been listening to Calvin and Eliza on the New Zealand Property Market Podcast. Matiwa. Wa.